0: Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven and I am the host as always and joining me is the recently married Tyler Schoon. Tyler, what's up, man? I hope you had a really good weekend because I sure did. They say it and it's true.
1: The best day of your life. I don't know how many perfect days I've ever had. That was a perfect day. Best day of my life. We've been talking about it, reminiscing, crying, cheering, laughing. It's just been... (laughs) It was a great day. It was a perfect day, and I'm glad you were there to celebrate it with me.
0: Yeah, it was a great time. Uh, The venue where you guys got married, Wayfarers Chapel, cannot recommend it enough. It's gorgeous up there in Palos Verdes, right in the hills. So uh, if you've got a wedding coming up, I cannot recommend that. Uh, venue enough it was a great time and uh, obviously got to spend the day with with tyler celebrating his marriage so um sometimes you send a random message on twitter to some guy and then six <laughs> years later you're a groomsman in his wedding you know it's a it was a great thing to look back on oh, has um, it been six years Stephen? yes Whoa. it has been six Whoa. years <laughs> oh boy <laughs> <laughs> so you know uh you know it was a, it was a great weekend to reflect back on on how far tyler and i have come and um you know we've got our first training camp coming up in the next couple weeks here uh, covering the Chargers for the Chargers so that should be a lot of fun as well and uh, excited to dive into today's show where we're going to be covering the uh, biggest preseason or in uh, training camp position battles uh, that the Chargers are going to have to solve this time around so we've talked a little bit about here and there about certain players fitting into certain roles Um, today we're going to dive into you know these big position battles that are coming up. Who might have the edge? Who might fit the scheme better with Kellen Moore and and Derek Ansley? The changes that the Chargers have made from the coaching staff standpoint. And then uh, we're gonna pick a winner uh, of who's gonna do uh, who's gonna do the best in the training camp in the preseason. So we did this last year um, on our own channel, and we're excited to get back to it this year. Tyler, uh, what's up, man? How are you excited about this? I'm really excited. Training it's, This is the last episode
1: before it's the week of training camp when sort of real football can finally begin. So I'm excited. I can't wait to be 100% wrong on all of these, but it's still exciting to talk about.
0: Yeah, last year we had a bit of a mixed bag, but we got some of them right, you know, uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens this year. Um, obviously, training camp is, is right around the corner. Super excited for that! I've been watching the quarterback series on Netflix and listening to play callers the from the Athletic. So it's been a nice ramp up to uh, the real meat of football season, which is starting in the next couple weeks, and I'm excited to get to it. As always, before we dive into today's show, Tyler and I are fans of the Chargers, just like you guys are. We are independent content creators. For the Chargers, we are not Chargers employees, and as such, the opinions that we share on today's show and every show are not always reflective of the Chargers organization themselves. So, um, you know, there's going to be some evaluations of players today, an example, and, uh, you know, that's not necessarily how the, necessarily how the team is going to feel. These are our opinions. You know, we do the research, we do the film watch, and uh, we, we form these opinions just like you guys do. So, um, yeah, Tyler, that being said, let's dive in here. Uh, We have an outline, obviously, as we always do, prepare, and uh, we're going to dive into some of these specific position battles. Uh, I think it's only right that we start with arguably the biggest question mark of any uh, off-season storyline outside of Kellen Moore for the Chargers is what kind of happens at cornerback. Um, For the sake of this specific argument, we're focusing in on the Chargers slot corner, um, their star position, as Brandon Stigler likes to call it, Nickelback, whatever you want to term it nowadays is, is kind of moving around, right? But uh, for the sake of the argument, we're going to focus in on that slot position. And we're going to assume that JC Jackson is at least healthy by the start of the regular season. So um, the contenders here, Tyler, who do you think is really in contention to ultimately start in the slot? And let's let's get started. Who do you think maybe has uh, some strengths that we can outline here? Ooh, okay. So... I would say it's obviously Asante Samuel Jr. and Jaw Taylor.
1: Even in OTAs, they've been they've been rotating as the one and the two. If one of these guys is going to, if anyone's going to play, it, it's going to be one of these guys. But it's not as easy as I think maybe some Chargers fans believe it is to decide who the winner of this is going to be. And in fact, mm-hmm. I kind of came into this with an idea of who I would suggest and guess is going to be the winner. But then after looking at stats and kind of you know evaluating everything. I still don't know. I really don't know. Even by the end of this, just talking on this channel right now, I might change my mind before I give my actual answer. So we'll see. Maybe you can convince me. Um, Because these are two guys that are sort of different, maybe points in their career or maybe are perceived by the team or even in the stat sheet as having different strengths than the other. So it depends where you want to go with this. I'll start with Asante Samuel Jr., who I think I should at least be considered the favorite, potentially, um, because mm-hmm. he does have more of the years, um, because I do think, and I think you and I agree, and I think everyone would agree, regardless if we'll get into the run game stuff in a bit, we do think Asante Samuel Jr. is the better corner, and he did finish the season last year with a great game. Asante Samuel Jr. is a walking, game-changing play waiting to happen. I was a little bit surprised to see what his forced incompletion rate was compared to the rest of the league, um for me and my money watching him I'd say every game is a forcing completion and interception a really key pass broken up but he ended up 58th out of 135 corners at this 20% cutoff um but he was still very involved two interceptions in the regular season um he opened the season with the greatest interception Brandon Staley says he's ever seen and he closed yeah. out the season with you know arguably one of the greatest corner defensive back games chargers fans have ever seen with those three interceptions so when it comes to asante semoji and his strengths here especially relative to the main contender here which would be jaw taylor his competitor here he is more of the the gamesman right now the game changer and i think that's reflected at several points throughout the season you know breaking up a pass against the seahawks so kenneth murray can pick that ball off that's what he has so as far as strengths go i do think that makes him the front runner because in this defense, I think the Chargers have done enough against the run or changing personnel or adding personnel or they'll just get guys back that are healthy who can do enough against the run where you can kind of work with where Santonio Samuel Jr. might have those shortcomings. So you're getting Joey Bosa back. Fantastic. Um, you're going to... We'll see how this works out in the end. But you're substituting Nasir Adderley, who retired for now, Alohi Gilman. Um, you're going to have Thule, Tulip, Tulip. oh my gosh. We have Thule there, uh, who's going to be better against the run, in my opinion. I think he's um, going to be really strong against the run to begin with. So I think you have Eric Hendricks right, coming in for Drew Tranquil. So while I think that Asante Samuel Jr. is maybe weaker against the run, and that is certainly there on the stat sheet, inarguable in my opinion, I do think there's enough pieces on this Chargers defense that have improved against the run, will be better against the run, are returning or were signed, that I want my game changing corner out there in the slot. So I guess a spoiler alert, my current pick for this is going to be Asante Samuel Jr. but there's a very strong argument that I'm sure you can get into for why Jaw Taylor could be the, considered the front runner here.
0: Sure, I think you did a great job outlining Asante Samuel's strengths there. Uh, and, and I think you know I went back and looked at you know my, some of my notes of, of Asante coming out of Florida State and, and I did the same thing for Jasir Taylor and the statistics as prospects, right? You know, back in the day for, for college uh, statistics, just to kind of see, like, how far maybe these players have come and what did we think of them a few years ago? And, you know, you and I were both very, very high on Asante Samuel Jr. coming out of that specific draft class. Um, each of us had a high second-round grade on Asante Samuel Jr. coming in into the league, and I think his strengths in college have translated to the NFL. Like, you're talking about that ability to be a game changer at any given moment, just his instincts. Like, you know, his, most of his interceptions have come on plays where it's him creating the interception. You know, uh, Brandon Thorne ha- does a great job with this, like true sack rate, right. Where he tries to go out and measure like quality sacks and pressures from edge rushers. If there was somebody out there doing like true interception rate, I think it's all would be very, very high on that list because the interceptions that he comes up with are ones that he legitimately creates on his own. You know, he, even the one against the Colts, uh, that was not by design, right? Like that was him just reading the play out, making a smart play, having the instincts to go out and execute it. And I think that creates a cornerback who has such a high ceiling because of his ability to create turnovers. That's his strength. That's that's who we know Asante is. Mm -hmm. We've seen that time and time again. There's some interceptions that I think he probably could have uh, received, if not for some uh, poorly timed interviews and poorly timed challenges, um, you know, specifically from the Chiefs game from last year. But, you know, I, we know what Asante is as a cover player, but I think his, his biggest weakness and the biggest question mark, which I know he's worked hard at, his, mm. is his ability as a run defender. And that coincides, obviously, with the Charter's biggest weakness on defense, which is is the run defense. Now, like you mentioned, they've done a lot of things to potentially improve that. And so has Asante. You know, we can see that in the missed tackle rate, Mm -hmm. which came down from, I think, 19% as a rookie to 13% last year. So we've seen that improvement from him. But this is arguably going against Josier Taylor's biggest strength, which is his ability as a run defender. And so it's going to be a very interesting kind of philosophy standpoint for these corners because Jesse Taylor, Jaseer Taylor's biggest weakness, I think, is just kind of his, his weakness and his ball skills and coverage, and that's Asante's biggest strength, and Asante's biggest weakness, I think, is Jaseer Taylor's biggest strength. So just looking, again, this is just from college, because um, Jasir Taylor hasn't played a full season really in the NFL, but if you go back to their last seasons as college players, so that would be 2020 for Asante Samuel Jr. and 2021 for Jaseer Taylor, Jasir Taylor has 18 tackles, 18, 18 total tackles compared to Asante Semi Jr.'s 8. That's just run defense tackles. Um, Jasir Taylor missed three tackles, but his missed tackle rate was 13%. Asante Sammy Jr. had fewer misses, but a higher rate. So he missed two tackles at 18% miss rate. Jasir Taylor had seven stops, which was a stop percentage of 2%, and an average depth of tackle of 6.5 yards whereas Asante Sammy Jr. had one run stop, uh, 0.5% run stop rate, and a 9.0 yards average depth of tackle. So that's kind of a trend that we can see just from last season too, where Jaseer Taylor's run stop percentage is a bit higher. Um, His average depth of tackle is closer to the line of scrimmage. Some of that is where they play, right? Jaseer Taylor was kind of slot more focused than Asante Sammy Mm -hmm. Jr. was. But I think it shows you the picture – And I think this this backs up on tape that Jasir Taylor is a more intensive run defender. And I think that showed up in the games that he was afforded the chance to play in where he was really making a strong impact in that regard. Yeah,
1: just to continue to add to that. So out of 126 corners at that 20% snap threshold against the run, Asante Samuel Jr., um, his average depth of tackle against the run out of 126 was 122nd. And the average depth of tackle in those instances against the run was 14.4 yards from the line of scrimmage. That is not great. Um, For reference, Michael Davis was 7.4 yards. Bryce Callahan, 6.1. And then as you brought up, Jaw Taylor, 4.6 yards. Um, His run stop rate in that regard was 114th. Again, 13.3 missed tackle rate. It's not great, but it wasn't super bad. But yeah, those stats against the run... Not great. And if we compare Jaw Taylor, it's very difficult because Jaw Taylor didn't play a full season. He didn't even play like a full half of yeah, a two season. Starts. Yeah. yeah, right. So bear with us here as we're trying to use these stats and extrapolate them towards, you know, and compare them to different things. But, you know, if I took Jaw Taylor's numbers and put them on the same list in that 20% threshold that Asante Samuel Jr. was able to get to because of his snaps, then Jaw Taylor would be almost 100 spots higher in average depth of tackle and almost 100 spots higher in run stop rate although his missed tackle rate was worse so you know we'll see again it's it's not many games so please bear with us here but there is as you pointed out just a, a stark contrast between at least the numbers and how these guys um are able to play the run and then as you pointed out the sort of intention in playing the run now that's not to say that asante samuel jr shies away from contact that's not that he doesn't want to tackle we saw against the houston texans they threw several wide receiver screens that was a fantastic game for Asante Samuel Jr. as a tackler he does want to go tackle he does want to go make those plays it's just at this point in their careers granted Josh Taylor very small sample size Josh Taylor is just a bit better at it and that's also why he's such a good special teams player because that same mentality and what he can do
0: yeah and I think part of this too is Asante's mindset right like I, I think we've seen glimpses of him having that true like cb1 alpha mentality mm-hmm. and that showed up against the raiders in week one last year where you know jc jackson kind of is, has this phantom injury and they need somebody to cover Devonte adams for the whole game and asante went right at him the entire game there was certainly some misses right i mean it's Devonte adams but you know asante <laughs> was right up there every single moment so i think that asante samuel if given the task of to be the slot corner for the Chargers would rise to the occasion and improve his run defense. I think we've seen that in at least glimpses, uh, you know, particularly the missed tackle rate. So that is definitely a part of it too. But even if he improves, it's not his strong suit. Whereas I Mm -hmm. think that is just your Taylor's, you know, that's what he brings to the table is his ability as a tackler, as a run defender and as a blitzer too. So, Mm. um, Tyler, I think we're both kind of leaning the same way here, but is Asante officially your pick to win the starting slot position?
1: Very difficult. I'll bring up a couple more things, and then I'll officially give the okay. verdict, even though I sort of gave one. Um, we'll see about J.C. Jackson, right? Because how much he... Like, this could be a moot point, right? That J.C. Jackson could miss the first four games, and no matter what, John Taylor is probably the starting slot because Asante Samuel Jr. is on the outside. But depending on how much time he misses, let's say he misses all of training camp or or most of it, most of the preseason, Jaw Taylor will have been, if what you know, Daniel Popper's reporting about him being the starting slot at OTAs, he'll have been the starter for four, five weeks, six weeks if you include OTAs. And that's a long time to be out there as that starter and considered that starter. And then for them to suddenly make a switch would be uh, interesting to say the least. It may be things a bit more difficult. It's also worth pointing out, and I think this is something we have not talked about yet the start of the chargers season because what are the chargers first two opponents it's the miami dolphins the game where jaw taylor had to start and played really really well against jalen waddle tyree kill you know on that offense so a really really good game there the next game is against the tennessee titans now granted maybe they're gonna throw it to deandre hopkins now 37 (laughs) times but i don't see that happening i I still see the priority there being stopping Derrick Henry. And in that game, Jaw Taylor played more run defense snaps than Asante Samuel Jr. because they wanted to stop the run. So like I said, it's very difficult to pick who's going to win here because there's a legitimate argument for both. I just think you need to put that game changer out there. I would love to have the guy out there. Not that Jaw Taylor can't. In fact, their forced incompletion rate is only off by like two small sample size. I do believe Asante Samuel Jr. wins it. I'd be happy if either did. The Chargers are very fortunate that they have this quote unquote problem. But yeah. I think he ends up winning it and I, th- I think the Chargers have done enough against the run in enough areas to afford, you know, the the risk, I guess, of having Asante Samuel Jr. out there against the run because I think what he does against the pass far outweighs anything else.
0: Yeah, I agree. Great problem to have. You know, I, I think we're a bit higher on Jazeer Taylor than than a lot of other people might be you know from the outside looking in um so this is a great problem to have absolutely but i i do agree i think asante Samuel junior and what he brings to the table w- is eventually going to win out we'll see what happens with jc jackson um that being said i do think we'll see a lot of just taylor this year you know we've seen absolutely how much they value him as a run defender how much they value him as a special teams player there are going to be games where like you mentioned week two against the titans like I don't know why DeAndre Hopkins went there first personally, but you know <laughs> they're going to come into uh, they're going to come up against the Chargers and they're going to want to run the ball. You know that's what Mike Rabel, Mike Vrabel wants to do, um, and so Jasir Taylor is probably going to have a big role in that game. You know if, if they play the I mean when they play the Chicago Bears, you know they're a team that's going to want to run the football. The Detroit Lions they're a team that's going to want to run the football, and so w- even if Asante Samuel Jr. is the starter, and I, that's my pick as well. I still think that we're going to see Jasir Taylor have a role for this team. And I think he's going to have, uh, have a really good season for them. And I think Asante is going to have a great season mm-hmm. for them too. So, again, very good problem to have. Um, this is definitely the biggest, most important position battle, in my opinion. And I think Tyler is, is of the same mindset. And so that's why we just spent 15 minutes talking about it. But, Tyler, <laughs> any other cornerback uh, thoughts before we decide to move on here? I hope everyone's healthy. And I
1: hope everyone has 30 interceptions and we're all fantastic and all's good. Everyone's great. Career yes. years.
0: Yes, 100%. Lots of flexibility this year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. If not for cornerback, maybe the biggest position battle is the kicker battle, uh, which is a rare win for the Chargers because this is a battle between two legitimately good kickers and Cameron Dicker and Mr. Dustin Hopkins, who uh, received a contract extension last offseason. So mm-hmm. financial implications here may be playing a role here. But just to go over the numbers really quickly here, I um, Last season, Cameron Dicker was 27 of 27 on extra points, and Dustin Hopkins was 12 for 12. From a field goal percentage standpoint, um, Cameron Dicker was 24 of 26 for 92%, uh, which actually led the league, uh, apparently, according to the 33rd team, which I hadn't realized. Um, And then Dustin Hopkins was 9 of 10 on the season for 90%. Um, maybe one of the, the more underrated aspects of kicking is, is kind of kicking from distance. Uh, so from 50 plus yards, the chargers only attempted two all season, both by Cameron Dicker. He was one for two. So, uh, Tyler, what do you make of the, of the kicker position battle, position battle heading into training camp? it's kind of a, like I said, this is a rare thing. Usually it's a lot of uncertainty, but this time we know the chargers have two really quality kickers here.
1: Yeah, it's not just picking a lesser of two evils. I mean, you have Dustin Hopkins, who's 20th all-time in field goal percentage in NFL history. He scored 791 points in his career. Um, he has, I guess, for what it's worth, hit both of his, both of his postseason field goals. Granted, that was for Washington. Um, he's been great for the Chargers, so that's, that's one guy that they have. Oh, and the last time we saw him, he went 4-for-4 four four on field goals and hit his extra point on prime time against a division rival... And had a game winner in overtime while falling down every single field goal because (laughs) he couldn't he couldn't stand anymore he was injured he was hurt and that was the last game that he played but he gutted it out for the team and won afc special teams player of the week that's one kicker then you got this other rookie who won a you know conference you know special teams player of the week for two different conferences for the nfc with the eagles and the afc for the chargers Um, He was an NFL all-rookie. He hit 90%, 95% of his field goals or whatever it was his rookie season. I don't really know where the Chargers would lean here. And to be completely honest, whatever Ryan Ficken decides to pick, I'm happy with because, I mean, there was a third kicker who was really good for the Chargers last year too. Like all three kickers did a great job last (laughs) season. So you could pick him and I'd say, great, that's a great decision, Ryan Ficken. I'm totally cool with that. Um, And unfortunately, there's really no tiebreaker for kicks at 50-plus because Dustin Hopkins is about 50-50, but he didn't hit one for the Chargers last season. Then Cameron Dicker has barely had any opportunities to hit them. So there's really no tiebreaker there either. So I guess ultimately this comes down to the fact that Dustin Hopkins is 20th all-time in field goal percentage, has 791 points scored to his name, has played in the postseason, has hit both his field goals in the postseason, and he was the guy that the Chargers gave the money to. So he's kind of in a way ryan Fickens' guy initially as well granted maybe he could have come back last season but cameron dicker was i mean they wrote a hot hand and he was fantastic the entire rest of the way so it's really a coin toss at this point so at this point i just lean experience here and the fact that you at least know what you're getting with dustin hopkins there might be a bit more you could reach with cameron dicker and that's very possible but i think you know what you have with dustin hopkins and frankly in a season where like this might be it, like the Chargers need to go win and they need to go far in the postseason, they might want to take the sure thing that they paid the money to that they know about, rather than someone who's, I hate to say they're unsure about. Because again, Kemmer Dicker was fantastic, but you just know a bit more about Dustin Hopkins. He is he is a veteran, so I'm leaning that direction. But I'm happy with either man.
0: Yeah, like another great problem for the Chargers to have. Uh, quick shout-out to Mr. Taylor Bertolette, who was the third kicker that Tyler mentioned. Uh, nine for nine on kicks for the Chargers last year, although he didn't attempt a single field goal over 32 yards. So, yeah, know, is what it is. But, hey, nine for nine, kicker off the street. We'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a really interesting one because, you know, financially, like I think we have two very opposite ends of the spectrum, like you're talking about. The Chargers did choose to pay Dustin Hopkins uh, last off season, you know, he was awarded a a really nice contract, you know, totaling, Mm -hmm. uh, potential, uh, value of, of nearly $10 million. And, you know, this is a, a kicker who has a very strong history. Like you mentioned, one of the more accurate kickers in NFL history, he's been there, he's done that. Um, he showed up for the chargers in clutch moments. And, you know, there is that feeling of comfortability with Dustin Hopkins. There's also the opposite end of the financial spectrum where the chargers are heading towards a very, you know, cap tight couple of seasons with, uh, that's even before we get to Justin, Justin Herbert's contract extension. And if the chargers can manage to trade Dustin Hopkins this, uh, during the preseason, they would save $2.2 $2 million this year and $4.75 million next year. And they would have to give they would have to give Cameron Dicker another contract after the season, but financially you're saving a a good amount of money by choosing Cameron Dicker. Cameron Dicker obviously has to go out and earn it, and I, I think there is some like there's a tiny amount of doubt in my head that Cameron Dicker just kind of caught lightning in a bottle this past season for the Chargers. No pun intended. Um, and just had a great season under a great special teams coach. You know, Ryan Ficken is proven to be a really great special teams coach. You know, he's working with a former NFL kicker, too, in uh, Chris Gold. So this is really like an ideal situation for a kicker, which is kind of crazy to talk about from a, being a Chargers <laughs> fan. Um, what if it, this is just kind of, what if last season was as good as it gets for Cameron Ticker? Mm-hmm. And what if we never see him reach last season again? So there's there's a tiny bit of doubt in my mind towards what version of Cameron Dicker can become. But then also a very large part of, of my brain is thinking, okay, what if Cameron Dicker can be best kicker in the league potential? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to pass on that kind of potential for what you know in dustin hopkins so this is a very interesting battle again very rare territory for the chargers i'm leaning towards cameron dicker i think cameron dicker has just something different about him Mm -hmm. and i know he only got the the two chances from 50 plus but i think there's more to his game than what he was allowed to show last season you know, at the University of Texas, I believe he had a 56-yard field goal uh, as a junior and then um, was hitting regularly at the Senior Bowl from 50-plus as well in those practices. So I still think you have a lot more potential with Cameron Dicker. I think the finances just kind of makes it make sense for me, but I totally understand why someone would choose Dustin Hopkins because you know what you're getting with him you know how the team feels about him and just like that safeness that he brings to the table
1: yeah if they go with cameron dicker again i'd be happy with that totally fine with that you just hey you're bringing back a guy who hit from you know 90 plus you know in his rookie season game winning field goals you name it everything was great you're in a you you have a luxury here because you have ryan ficken the ultimate stabilizer here in the same way that we're all excited for really any defensive tackle who makes this team because they have Jay Rogers. They'll Mm -hmm. become better than they possibly could be. Like Their potential will be reached. Whatever that is, it'll be reached. So if you're going to, again, gamble is an odd word to say for a kicker who was so good last year, but if you're going to gamble on a guy you don't know as much about, you're in a great spot to do that. I think you're in a fantastic spot to do that. And worst-case scenario, if things don't work out and he's not a great kicker, just go for it on fourth down, you know, go for it. You got, <laughs> you got a pretty good quarterback. Um, so, you know, maybe you can just go for it on fourth down more.
0: Yeah. There you go. Uh, again, very curious to see how this one uh, unfolds throughout the season. I think Daniel Popper reporting that basically both are right neck and neck. Uh, thus far again, have not gone to training camp yet, um, but in their limited opportunities, both kickers have, have basically performed about the same. So, mm-hmm i um, going to be interesting to see how Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco and company, you know, decide to handle this position battle. All right, Tyler, uh, which position battle uh, is your next most interesting one that you want to hit here? Ooh, I guess RB2. And I, I'll
1: say that specifically because I will walk back my previous comments on a show, <laughs> like the first second or third episode that we did about a certain Isaiah Spiller winning the job. Now, can he win the job? Absolutely. Does Isaiah Spill have a bright future in this league? Absolutely. Will he do it? We'll see. I, I just think, like, I know spiller has been working with, you know, strength and conditioning coaches. He's been getting stronger, running faster. He's running routes. He's doing all the right things. He's a young guy who, you know, by all accounts, has done everything he's supposed to to become that NFL running back. But I, I just think we've also seen Joshua Kelly take that step forward himself and now he has another off season to work with, you know, whatever team he worked with last offseason to change his entire body and the way that he ran the football and could run the football. He has another offseason to do that. And so I think that and as we talked about before, Joshua Kelly could take that Trey Pipkins like jump from, you know, the twenty twenty one, twenty twenty classes. Um, I think he's the most primed to do that of those classes in terms of making that jump. He is in a contract year. I think what it really came down to for me, though, is that he just right now feels like the better complement to Austin Eckler. Um, And and maybe I should have leaned with that a few months ago when I (laughs) made the bold prediction, I guess, of Isaiah Spiller winning RB2. And that is something I, I could see happening during the season at some point. Joshua Kelly hasn't always been healthy for an entire year. So if Isaiah Spiller gets that shot, he may never let it go, but I think heading into training camp, heading into the season, I think it is going to be Joshua Kelly, and I think he's going, he has to have the best year of his career because uh, the running back market's not so great right now. If you didn't notice on social media today, uh, running backs aren't yeah. so happy about it, so he's got to have the best year of his career, and I think he's going to.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think it's also important to point out here that Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, and Larry Ranshry all free agents after the season. So mm. certainly an opportunity for Joshua Kelly to maybe work his way into a long term future here with the Chargers. You know, I, I, obviously anything can happen. Austin Eckler could come back next year as well. Um, let's talk about maybe how these two players differentiate themselves from the other. Mm. If you were to kind of lean into the Isaiah Spiller take from earlier. What would your argument be about Spiller beating out Joshua Kelly
1: outside of health, which I think we'll see Isaiah Spiller has not played that much, but he could be just a healthy guy. I believe as a pass catcher, that's what the charge, I think mm-hmm. that's what the Chargers were going into to lean into last season. I don't really know what happened because Joshua Kelly was kind of clearly the RB two last offseason and in training camp. But then you see Isaiah Spiller on a wheel route on an angle route, working out of the backfield as that receiving option. Now, granted, different offensive coordinator, different scheme, like everything's going to be different. So we'll see what the role is for him this year. But I think Isaiah Spiller, even from college, he's just a very, very good receiving back. And that goes beyond just the, you know, dump it off to the flat type. Like, no, a guy who can actually work down the field, mm-hmm. beat linebackers, et cetera. So I think if there's any way these two differentiate themselves, or if Isaiah Spiller is able to carve out a role and maybe become that RB2, it's as a pass catcher but is that more valuable than Joshua Kelly as the runner who can also catch passes as we've seen? Not sure.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you pointed that out. And I think if you look at the statistics, I think we see that bear out as well, both from preseason statistics, you know, college statistics. And that's really where, again, I wanted to go back and look, um, Joshua Kelly not afforded a ton of pass catching opportunities at UCLA. Um, when he was given those opportunities, that's certainly not his strong suit. I think he can do it. I think he can handle screens. I think he can, Mm -hmm. you know, for the most part, run some angle routes. But, you know, you look at his ability as a playmaker after the catch, you know, that is a weak point of his game. And I think he would agree with that. And, you know, you look at the statistics, Isaiah Spiller averaged almost nine yards after the catch per reception in college coming out of Texas A&M. His last season in Joshua Kelly at UCLA was 6.5. And you look at this past uh, season, again, limited opportunities for both. Austin Eckler is going to get a ton of opportunities as a, <laughs> as a pass catcher, right? Um, but, you know, Isaiah Spiller on his few targets averaged 7.7 7 yards after the catch, and, and Joshua Kelly was 6.5. So, a- again, limited sample size here, but th- that's a way that Isaiah Spiller can certainly create a role for himself. You know, Austin Eckler is really the only pass catcher Of this backfield, you know, even of the undrafted guys, I wouldn't necessarily call that a strength for any of them. So if, you know, Kellen Moore has this idea where we're going to use Austin Eckler more as a receiver in terms of splitting him out wide, putting him in the slot, maybe like Shane Steichen and all those guys used to do back in the day, like he did with Tony Pollard last season. Maybe that gives Isaiah Spiller some opportunities to, you know, get some receptions out of the backfield, running some angle routes, running some choice routes, wheel routes, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I think that is a way for he for him to, um, you know, earn some reps. And I think the other way too is obviously in pass protection. I think Austin Eckler is incredibly underrated in that regard. <laughs> Uh, in the running back survey that was done by ESPN that was considered a weakness of his. And I question whoever said that, (laughs) what you're actually watching with Austin Eckler, because Eckler is, to me, one of the best in the business in pass protection. Like, he's teach tape in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, Joshua Kelly can do it, but it's not not to that same kind of level as what the Chargers have in Austin Eckler. And I think that's a big reason why Eckler was kept in the backfield so much last season. So can Isaiah Spiller come in show a ton of improvement in that specific regard and push Austin Eckler in terms of pass protection and say, Hey, like I can handle this part of the running back rotation that gives the chargers a, a huge amount of flexibility. And it would allow Isaiah Spiller to say, Hey, like I I'm a trustworthy pass catcher. I can work into, into pass protection. And that's a very valuable role for this offense. But that's the word I keep hearing, right? And I've been saying it, you've been
1: saying it. Role. We keep saying the word role, and I think that's where Isaiah Spiller might fall this year. Like he'll have a role. He should have a role on this team in this offense Mm -hmm. with everything you just talked about. But is that role RB two? I I don't think so,
0: and I don't believe you believe so either. No, I I do think that Joshua Kelly and his ability on the ground is 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 superior at this point, and that's not necessarily Mm -hmm. an indictment on Isaiah Spiller. I mean, he was 20 years old when he was drafted, right? Like the Chargers knew his potential and they knew that the age was to the point where that might take a little bit of development and that's okay like players take time to develop like you just mentioned Trey Pipkins you know Mm -hmm. um maybe Isaiah Spiller just needs some time to adjust to the league right but Joshua Kelly you know averaged over four yards per carry last season last season he was at 2.8 yards per contact after or yards after contact per attempt excuse me and that's a real necessity to play behind Austin Eckler because he's going to do so many other things that you have to have a guy who can give you the tough yards. And I think mm-hmm. that's more Joshua Kelly's game than it is Isaiah Spillers. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I would like to
1: transition to the safeties now as someone else from yeah. the 2022 class. Uh, we were sort of messaging back and forth. Like what do we talk about here for the safety battle? Because you know, I think JT Woods, at least in my eyes is the default safety three could kind of depend you know if one player gets hurt if and james gets hurt then maybe you could see someone like Raheem lane or marco or whoever wins it being that backup box safety type but then again i think they would just move alohi gilman closer to the line of scrimmage and then they would have jt woods be the safety three so i think jt woods is kind of the safety three by default for now um does that mean that someone cannot beat him in camp no i don't think i, I think it could be wide open but for now i think he's a default three so now we're looking at safety four and that final spot for the chargers involving another player from 2022 and that class but as an undrafted free agent that's raheem lane you have a player from 2021 and mark webb um i guess you could in- include aj finley who you, we both really liked from old miss as a player to make the roster so as far as the safety four position goes or even safety three if you want to go that route how do you see that playing out who do you see as the favorite so far
0: I think the favorite has to be Raheem Lane, uh, in part because of what we've talked about with special teams ability and and how much Ryan Thicken identified him and said, "I need this guy on the roster because of what he can do on special teams." Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he's safe, right? Like the Chargers need reliable, versatile safeties to be able to play this kind of defense. And you know, with Derwin James doing so many other things, playing as a pass rusher, as a big slot defender, as a linebacker, essentially at certain times. You have to have reliable players behind him, and so I, I I think this is we can view this essentially as a wide open race in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about how these players can complement Derwin James. Uh, that's my thought process here too. Um, so what kind of bodies do you have in this ba- in this defensive backfield? I think is is a super important aspect here. Um, I think of these three players, I would say that AJ Finley is probably the best football player overall, in my opinion, Um, Mm. in terms of his ability to, you know, match coverages and create potential interceptions, you know, be a versatile safety. But I think his role is maybe a little redundant with JT Woods. I think AJ Finley can play in the box, but I don't don't think it's a strength of his. Mm. So to me, I think A.J. Finley has an outside chance looking in, but Mm. really this is Raheem Lane versus Mark Webb because I think both of those bring a different level of physicality that Mm. the Chargers need alongside Derwin James to be able to kind of fill in that role whenever Derwin goes up to the line of scrimmage, whenever he's covering in the slot. They need a little bit more physicality, and so I like A.J. Finley the best as a player, Mm. but then we have to add in special teams, and we also have to add in, like, covering up some some areas where derwin james is filling in as well is i
1: know you said outside looking in but is there really any possibility because again i i would i would think the the player that you drafted as your second pick in the draft granted in the third round would automatically be your de facto starter here but is there a world where someone is not like if jt woods is not the safety three on this team is it possible that they can't find a way to get him to play special teams which they didn't last season Mm. and therefore he's fourth at best
0: or potentially in danger of being cut man that's i think we they would have to get to camp and see basically zero improvement for them to move off of him that quickly Mm -hmm. um you know the chargers in the past when they were down in san diego certainly cut draft picks earlier than that um but I, I think that they're gonna want to give JT Woods his chance, and for him to prove that what he can do alongside Derwin James and Elohi Gilman. So mm-hmm. I think AJ Finley would have to come in and be like very clearly, or clearly the better player for them to potentially consider cutting JT Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, is that possible? Sure. I like I still believe in JT Woods' talent. Me too. That you know this is a guy who can come in and make an impact like you don't lead college football and interceptions and just not not be able to figure something out so um, I I think that they'll be able to get the most out of him Um, but I do like AJ Finley a lot and I, I hope they're at least able to keep him around on the practice squad and who knows maybe they maybe he plays so well that they decide to keep him and JT Woods you keep five safeties instead of four that's a possibility here as well
1: yeah, that's what I'm kind of wondering, too, is, is do you find that you have a problem here? Like we've been talking about, there's a couple of problems that the Chargers have at a couple of spots. Sure. Do you let Mark Webb hit the practice squad again? Like if, he, he's, if anybody's watched him in camp and anyone who's covered him or just sat down and watched Mark Webb in the brief moments that he's in camp, it's usually about two or three weeks or so, and then there's some sort of injury, but he's really good. Uh, he's yeah. an excellent football player in camp. And so I could, I could see a world where they do keep five. Maybe they decide that this is a great problem to have. We don't exactly have an answer at safety after Drew and James. We certainly don't have that next season when Alohi Gilman's a free agent. So maybe let's hold on to a couple of guys. Let's not keep a linebacker. Let's not keep a tight end or something or another running back or whatever. Let's try to work through some of these safeties.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we'll, we'll see how this gets sorted out in camp. But my, mm-hmm. my pick here is going to be Raheem Lane. Um, I, I think that might be yours as well. But I just think like the element of physicality that Raheem Lane brings to the table really makes him stand out among this crowd. And the Chargers are going to need that when Derwin James is doing other things you mm-hmm. know, around the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. So to me, Lane has the inside track. And I think part of it is because of special teams, but also part of it is just like who he is as a football player. I, I love watching him. special teams i love watching him you know defend the run which i think is is kind of a theme of today's show too so Mm -hmm. i I think raheem lane is going to be my pick here for safety four barring a a last minute veteran signing
1: (laughs) right which could also certainly happen within the coming weeks or so so yes i agree just to clarify safety four i would say
0: raheem lane is a favorite yeah absolutely all right tyler our last one here we had we had some other ones we considered talking about but um, you know, I think a lot of people are just kind of assuming that Tuli tui Piloto is going to be edge three. And I think he certainly is the favorite in that regard. Um, but he's going to have to earn it. And Chris Rumpf certain, certainly showed some flashes last season here. What do you make of the battle for edge three between uh, Chris Rumpf and Tuli tui Piloto?
1: Yeah, I don't think you pick an edge rusher in the second round to not be the immediate backup to your Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. But as I just talked about, I just watched the Chargers use a third and fourth rounder on two players who basically mm-hmm. didn't play their rookie year. Granted, again, Thule's second round pick, a bit more there. Um, but we've talked about this a couple of times. But Chris Rumpf, at this point, offers more as an experienced rusher who knows how to work the, with the guys in the trenches. We've talked about the stats. Um, you know, Morgan Fox said when I talked to him, they got so much better over the course of a year because they learned how to work with each other on rushes and timing and responsibility. Like they just knew unspoken bond and connection with each other on the field, how to rush a certain way. And you certainly saw Chris Rump, Morgan Fox, Kyle Van Noy, all these guys get better in the second half of the season because they figured out how to work with each other. Thule is hey, I thought he was awesome in college, but he is a rookie who technically wasn't a true edge in college and he was the last chargers rookie to sign his contract granted that's not his fault. Um, so I think that there is a world here where Chris Rump plays very early as the starter, I guess the edge 3, and then Thule does have to earn that. Like I do feel like, you know, Quentin Johnson said that he's already won the starting job. We'll see. I think that Chris Rump is going to hold on to this for a bit. And let's not forget like Chris Rump in the preseason and in camp is awesome. His rookie season Um, And at at that scrimmage, I think he had three sacks. And throughout the preseason, I think it's like 10 pressures, a couple of sacks, um, eight run stops or whatever it is. He's going to have a very, very good showing in training camp and in the preseason. I'm assuming he's going to bulk up. I don't know what Joey Bosa is going to call him this year. I don't know what we've graduated (laughs) to. Um, But I guess we'll find out. So I think Thule ends up winning this, but I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think it's going to come down to the very end, and he'll have to earn it.
0: Yeah, I think the good news here is that these guys are going to play a ton in the preseason. You know, Joey Bosa-Klumak probably not going to play a single snap in the preseason. So we'll get to see a lot of these guys, uh, you know, and that's how it was last year, you know, with Carlo Kemp and um forgetting the other, the other guy's name from last year.
1: And McEagle, Davis, right? um And the other guy. <laughs>
0: Apologies there. Um, but yeah, you know, we saw a lot of those those guys be able to really get a ton of reps and, and, and duke it out. And you know, Chris Rumpf was was pretty clearly the best of that crowd, and I think we've we've seen him take some strides. He's gonna have to take some more though, and I think the versatility that Thule Tui can bring to you and, and, and offer to this team, I think is just more than what Chris Rumpf can do because Thule can kick inside, because he can work as a stand-up rusher uh, over the middle like they did with Kyle Van Noy a little bit last year. So I think they it just offers more options with Thule, and I think that he should be considered the favorite. I mean, they took him with the second round pick. Um, you know, something that Brandon Staley talked about on when he was on the playmakers show or not excuse me, playmakers, the play Callers show with Jordan Rodrigue is that, you know, nowadays with these NFL defensive players, you have to have players who can give you multiple roles and allow you to have more flexibility and, and even if, if that's a defensive lineman you know, that offers you an advantage that another guy might not be able to. So I, I think what Tuli can do, also his ability as a run defender, I think lends itself towards him being the edge three. But similar to just Taylor, I think Chris Rumpf is going to play this year, and I think we'll see him mm-hmm. make an impact and, you know, be able to to take some of those snaps away from Joey and Khalil and keep him fresh a little bit. So uh, in name, I think Tuli wins this edge three battle, but I do think Chris Rumpf makes an impact on the season overall. Yeah, we didn't talk about a ton of battles today, but it really feels
1: like the Chargers are in a good spot, well at least in the battles we talked about depthwise. Like I actually do feel really good. You know, if you're trying to make a case for each of these guys that we've talked about, or the three guys that we've talked about, each one has a way to contribute to this team. Whether they're the starter or the you know, the, the dominant edge two or whatever edge three, whatever it is, they're going to find a way to make play on this team. So it it feels like it's a good problem to have this year.
0: Yeah, it sure feels like the depth is is better than previous years, and and hopefully, uh, that comes to fruition. All right, Tyler. Uh, any other position battle that you want to briefly bring up as something that's uh, maybe you know picking at your head lately, can one of these battles that maybe going under the radar a little bit? Um, let's see LB three and how that shakes out. I think we all assume
1: that it is going to be you know Kend- Kendrick is the starter. That's very obvious. And then we are assuming that it's Murray. Then we're assuming it's Henley, but. I want to see Eamon Ogbang Mamiga play, and I want to see Dick Neiman play, and I want to see what they can do. Um, they're going to, I would imagine, make the team. They certainly held on mm-hmm. to them. No reason based on what they can do on special teams to not have them. But I am really curious how they work these guys in because I think both Eamon and Nick have done great things in training camp, but in the preseason, not exactly like the, you know, on the field in the regular season. We haven't seen a lot of that. But I, I am curious what they're able to do in, in a competition there
0: yeah it's you know we've seen this team use kind of a three linebacker rotation in the past um you know in 2021 it was kind of kaiser white was the main starter and then tranquil and murray kind of split the other reps whether it was pass rushing or coverage or run defense um and we might see them use that kind of approach again this year so um i think everybody's really excited about Dayon henley and you know he's an older rookie so it's not necessarily quite the same thing you know more Mm experienced but he's only been playing linebacker for like three years i think so you know can he match maybe amon's physicality you know can he match nick neiman's range and coverage ability those are things that i think he has to answer but i'm excited to see it because i think all three of those young players can can certainly take a step um it would not be a good to charge show if we did not talk about offensive line at least briefly um <laughs> you know the Chargers are an interesting spot in terms of backup into your offensive line um they drafted jordan mcfadden Um, But as we've talked about previously, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? We don't really know how that shakes out. Maybe they get to camp and he's more of a right tackle type or left tackle type than necessarily Mm -hmm. a guard. Um, So the Chargers obviously obviously drafted Brendan Hymas a couple of years ago. He's certainly going to be in the mix here for the last offensive line spot. And then Daniel Popper reported a couple weeks ago that they're really high on Zach Bailey as a potential backup swing guard. So um, those are three names that – you know, not a lot of people are going to be talking about, but, uh, I love offensive line play. So I'm going to be talking about it. And I think it's going to be interesting to see really where specifically Jordan McFadden ends up playing for this team. Yeah, I
1: definitely had that listed. I think if we're just picking a battle and a winner here, I think it's Jordan McFadden to me, the intrigue here, as you talked about is kind of where he plays, what he plays, how they use him, is
0: tackle involved at all. So it should be fun.
1: We'll get an answer pretty soon guys.
0: I know we're, uh, I think we're, as of recording this today, we're nine days away from the first practice. Uh, so that's going to be very, very exciting. Um, Tyler and I are going to be making some appearances at training camp. So feel free to come up and say hello. when you see us over the next few weeks, it's going to be very exciting to get back together and get back on, down in Costa Mesa and see the Chargers be practicing and, and all that good stuff that comes with training camp. As always, make sure to subscribe to this channel and ours, the guilty as charged podcast, Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about these position battles. Make sure to like the videos. If you are listening to this, please leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate that positive feedback as well. And that's going to do it for us. Appreciate Brian and Tyler for joining me today. And we'll see you guys next time. Bolt up.